0: Welcome to Voice of the Revolution. My name is Siete. I'm an actress, activist, and poet. I'm here with you today because as a queer Black artist in America in 2020, I've come to a conclusion. The only way reality for me and those like me will be accurately portrayed is if we tell it fully and unabashedly ourselves. This is life through the lens of the marginalized, oppressed, repressed, and peripherals of society. The fed up, angry, and allies alike, this show is for all of you. If you felt the pain of having your voice stifled and known the trauma of false narratives on your timelines and news feeds, this show is our testament to you. This is for those whose voices have been silenced due to senseless violence, whose hopes and dreams are reduced to hashtags and screams because of a badge or simply because of hate. May God bless the fallen martyrs for inciting a mass awakening on this planet unlike anything seen before. You will not be forgotten. We are the generation that will put an end to systemic hatred and violence once and for all so that the generations that come after us will get to inherit a world that was better than what we were handed. The baton has been passed to us and for the first time we have a once in a millennia chance of truly making a difference. This is how we write the novel of our own history. A good one. This is what true change is. Can you feel it? This is a movement for generations to come. This is The Revolution.
1: Ah, you better spit. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, I'm Kenyana. I'm the older cousin. I'm a little bit less poetic than our friend over here. (laughs) Um, But I'm glad for you to bring us in. So a little bit about myself. I'm a weeb. Um, and I'm a little chaotic being, not the bad kind, the good kind of chaotic, so I'm going to be this space's devil's advocate. I will speak for the other side. I'm very good at speaking for people, even if I don't agree with them. It's probably why our parents, like our family thought we could be, I could be a lawyer. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. So if you didn't get from the, our family, we're related cousins. That poetic voice over there is my younger cousin. Hey girl. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get voice of the revolution started. Alrighty so I just want to f- start
0: off by saying if you're listening to this um, thank you. Yes. Seriously. Definitely. Um, how cool that you're here with us on this ride on this journey. Um, this is something brand new. This is kind of an experiment for us definitely. but we're very excited um, that this is a thing, and it's kind of crazy that I'm here with my cousin Kenyana in Florida doing this because it's... It's wild, It's honestly. been a wild ride to this get past, here. This past
1: what? Are we counting from March or from when you got here? That's I, the question. It
0: feels... Okay, so since March, it feels as though 20 years have passed. Honestly... <laughs> What is time but an illusion, honestly, because what's crazy is that I feel like my perception of March, March felt as though it lasted forever. Apologies. That's okay. I was thirsty. (laughs) March (laughs) lasted forever, but June it's july now apparently and june blinked by i did never didn't even exist june did not june exist June wasn't real june was a fever dream we don't even have june anymore we don't know her <laughs> and we don't acknowledge her june was probably one of the most intense months i can recall in my life but first okay. this so I just want to say, if you're listening to us right now, um, if you could give us a follow on our official Voice of the Revolution Instagram, it's at VoterPod, V-O-T-R-P-O-D. Uh, follow our Facebook as well, which is also at VoterPod. Um, but make sure you do it after the show because we want you to stay here with us and listen to what is gonna happen here (laughs) um, with our very first episode. Um, And you know what, while you're at it, if you want to take a look at our website, voiceoftherevolution.org, just go ahead and browse. We'll be posting new episodes, blog posts, other voter-related content on there, and just Throwing this out there, our website was created on Squarespace, which is incredible because I'm by no means a web developer. Or I definitely
1: am not. Definitely <laughs>
0: do I have any idea how to do any of that. But I was able to make our super awesome website in less than two days. And it looks pretty darn good, if I'm if I must say so myself. So um uh, if anyone from Squarespace just so happens to stumble upon this, sponsor us. <laughs> give us Money? No, I'm kidding. Um, if you feel empowered... I'm not
1: sponsors. <laughs> to live,
0: If you just so happen to know anybody at Squarespace and you want to uplift some black voices, uh, black femme creators, um, hit us up. Our contact info is on our website, org. Thank you. Just throwing <laughs> that out into the universe. So anyways, let's get into it. Today, what I wanted to talk about is how we got here. Not just, you know how you and I, Kenyana, ended up making a podcast, but also how we as a society got to where we are in this moment in July of 2020.
1: Yeah, we
0: got to a space where we need podcasts like this. Seriously, where this is something that we felt compelled to do. And what is it that makes 2020 different than any other era of uprisings that you've seen in recent history? I'm by no means a historian, whatsoever. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a politician. I'm not a lawyer, but I am a young black artist with opinions and feelings and a voice that I feel like can articulate those feelings and opinions in a way that people might relate to. So to me, I honestly feel like 2020 is the pinnacle. It feels as though 2020 is the tipping point of a 400 year field
1: experiment It's definitely the the black spirit suppressed. It's the year of sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Yeah. What's crazy. Shout out to Gen Z. (laughs) Literally.
0: Thanks. (laughs) Okay. But on Gen Z, isn't it incredible how this young and up and coming generation, rather than accepting the world that we've been given, we are literally, we're born fed up. Definitely, we are we are we are already awakened. We're already activated. We're already on the front lines of battle, and I feel as though that's what is really shaping this movement and this revolution. Because when you see <laughs> r- 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 revolution, <laughs> r- 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 well, I feel like that's what's really shaping this revolution. Because when you see things like uh, the president's Juneteenth rally getting trolled. By all of the TikTok kids who I love,
1: my fellow reserved K-poppers. all of those tickets.
0: How incredible is that? How smart and genius this is a new that? New
1: generation of like K poppers i'm like so proud
0: oh my god or how the k-pop stands flooded the blue lives matter hashtag with all their fan camps how beautiful is that
1: like y'all made fun of us but look at us now the amount of (laughs)
0: unity and organization that gen z and tiktok and all it's it's pretty incredible it's inspiring for me but you know the black and racial issue in america in 2020 definitely also isn't the only issue that we're facing right now. And I feel like what's really highlighting this moment or this movement that we're in currently is that it's intersectional. It's not just black and white racial violence. It's LGBTQ trans rights. It's indigenous rights. You're seeing like it's a global immigrant rights. Oh my God. All over the world, oppressed peoples are, Rising up
1: Are it's fed like up It's like we actually believe In all lives matter
0: Right what, <laughs> Like that's what, what The a real concept. all lives matter is It's us Is us is, No one is, likes to
1: talk about it But we're the real All lives matter Because when those other groups Are in trouble The majority of us Flock
0: Right. And that's that's what I wish people would realize. People who say all lives matter or say they're pro-life or any of that. You're not pro-life. You don't think all lives matter. You think your life matters. You're pro what you like,
1: not pro what is right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You better spit, girl.
0: We love it. So
1: what we've seen
0: specifically in America has sparked a far greater conversation that just wasn't being had before. I don't know about you, but at the beginning of this year, one of my new year's resolutions, I asked for 2020 vision. I asked the universe to open my eyes up and I asked for this year to be the year that everything changes. (laughs) Sorry.
1: No, I literally just had a realization with you saying that was one of my new year's resolutions was actually like using my voice Wow. that I completely forgot I made that resolution until you said that.
0: Well, that's the thing. I feel as though this year is the year where we all sort of made those pledges to ourselves, And that is what happened. The universe delivered and said, that's what you want. You ask and you shall receive. But the way I see it, 2020 vision is just a ripping away of the veil. It's literally just everything that was being hidden in society all of the dark ugly things that were being swept under the rug that we didn't want to examine before the rug is gone the rug doesn't exist anymore we and can't now we see just clearly. Have to,
1: we can't see clearly with all this dust yo
0: yo and now it's just dust and we can't breathe we, and phew. it's it's so meta and it's so it's incredible be crazy when we start recording these <laughs> i know <laughs> but what i will say is this if you if you're listening to this and you are like, no, I'm I'm the same person that I was six months ago, then you are most definitely still completely sound asleep. If not a single one of your beliefs have been shaken or challenged in recent times, and you haven't done a deep, deep, severe amount of introspection, self-reflection, you are still
1: sleeping in And that, that includes people that do support Black Lives Matter. Yes. Like I said, I'm here to rock oh the boat. Oh,
0: my <laughs> God. Listen, lefty liberals, y'all are not excluded from this conversation because nope. if you call yourself an ally, you have the most work to do than anyone else. Because you know what? Shoot, the people who are openly against us, you know, I know where they stand. But if it's someone who's masquerading as being for me, but they actually... Because there's so not. many
1: people that are
0: in this fight, but they're only in it for their fight. They're yeah. not in it for all the fights. And that I feel like is what distinguishes the difference between performative allyship or activism versus authentic allyship, where you are actually putting yourself in that marginalized group's shoes and actually fighting for on the front lines, on the front lines for them and with them. That is what it takes. Because you can't just you can't just do this for the clout. You can't just do this for the photo op. You can't just do this- <laughs> You know who you are. F- you know who you are if you're posting your little protest outfit, selfies. That stuff actually genuinely makes me sick to my stomach when I see that. It does. Because those are the same people who have black, hashtag Black Lives Matter in their, in their bios. They're posting their little black squares and then all their work is done. Or they're, um, I don't know, maybe they filled out a couple petitions But it's like, what are you actually doing in your personal day-to-day life to actually make a difference? I really hope that people realize that we as individuals have so much more power than we've ever realized to actually make a difference, not just in our personal lives, but in the bigger picture. If we all just got on the same page, if we all just could unite, and get mm-hmm. on the same page and come together collectively and all know what it really is that we're fighting for and the power that we have, that is how true change yeah. happens. That is how we make what we're doing meaningful. Something that,
1: like, think like while we're on this, like, with allyship and everybody mm-hmm. forming everything, I think something that's really important in this is mm-hmm. finding your form of activism. Absolutely. Because I know personally, even though we did go on our marches, and we'll talk more about that later, Yeah. I am definitely not a trekking the streets kind of person. Of course. Like I and I don't have the heart for it. For everyone. And as much as I loved being out there and loved the energy and being with them, right. I don't have the heart for the hurt that comes with that form of activism. Right. And I had to really accept that it's okay for me not to have it in me. Mm-hmm. And then there's also people that have kids at home. Yeah, They have a job they could lose. Mm -hmm. They have a family they need to Mm -hmm. support. So not everybody Mm -hmm. can have that form of activism. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can spread the word Mm -hmm. and spread all this stuff because they do have things to lose. Absolutely. While, yes, we shouldn't have to live like that, there are still people that do need to live day to day. Mm -hmm. So I think finding our forms of activism are important. And Mm -hmm. the thing that we did was we collaborated and we realized... We can use the voices we were given as our form of activism. Absolutely. Someone else, it might be educating their friends, raising children, being a community leader. Right. Having and conversations with their racist uncle at the
0: dinner table. You know, yeah, it can that's be a something form of activism. It's amazing.
1: Because that's the world we live
0: in. Absolutely. And honestly, I just I want people to realize that it is okay if not everyone is as radical as you are. It takes time. Waking up takes time. It can be scary. Yeah. Realizing that that the world as you thought you knew it is not quite what you thought it was. That is that's that's upsetting. It's frightening. It's it's Yeah. It's hard to real when you especially when you held certain beliefs. I am one of the big people at this. (laughs) Yes. And you realize that those beliefs that you held were built on false pretenses or potentially were harmful to others. And you have to dismantle and, and unpack all of this that you've been taught or was placed upon you. It's okay if it takes time and it's not an overnight process because it's not. I remember in 2016, around the time of the Ferguson uprisings, I remember being so upset and so hurt by what I was seeing. And I was only a teenager. And at that time, when I was only 17, 18, I considered myself to be this woke queen, but I am nowhere near on the level that I was, that I am now compared to what i was then and that is okay if you're just a little and in, and in, in the level that i'm at now is nowhere near the level How of some, some of other the people, people are. who are out
1: here and i know that i honestly even though i do have like a very open mind with everything mm-hmm. i don't think i'll ever be as radical as other people yeah i'll still advocate and i'll still push mm-hmm. but there's gonna be points of things where i'm like i'm gonna always feel like there's always another way right. but I'm just non-confrontational in general, yeah, but I also do support fine. our radical kings and queens that are out there fighting for us. Absolutely,
0: a train can't run on just an engine. There's a whole, uh, there's a whole bunch of components that are needed to keep to it going. It you know, we need the screws, <laughs> we need the tracks, we need the wheels, we need the cabin, we need the lady that rips the tickets, or is it a guy? Usually, I don't know. I don't want to assign in 2020. gender roles. It doesn't matter. Exactly,
1: <laughs> they can be whatever they want
0: to be. But I, I, I think that's such a good point to identify what your form of activism is if you truly want to be on the right side of this and you truly want to be an ally just don't think that your work is done just because you posted an instagram story
1: getting rid of bigotry Mm -hmm. and ignorance in this world is a constant fight a pastor that i follow mentioned that fighting racism and bigotry is like fighting cancer -hmm. You're always going to be fighting it for the rest of your life the second you get it. Mm -hmm. Because cancer patients, they have to go back to the hospital. Mm -hmm. They have to get regular checkups. Mm -hmm. It's a constant fight. It's not something that's done just because you go to one appointment.
0: Right. What a great, what a great message. It was a very beautiful video. I love that. That is beautiful. And you also have to accept that, you know, there might still be residual, there will be people who just. Refuse to understand or refuse to get it. A lot of those people are choosing out of convenience, out of comfort, out of just what they were taught. To believe because it is inherently something that's taught that one annoying video that's been so politicized and abused of oh the little gosh. black boy running towards the little white boy on the sidewalk so both horrible. sides have just abused and it's just so really horrible. really hijacked that video which is really just it makes me that so
1: literally probably supposed to be a cute par- it's just video a cute video parents. of
0: exactly of, of two babies being babies but y'all want to use it for your political messages anyways Racism is taught. We all know that, you know, no one is born racist. There's no validity to it.
1: The only thing we're born with is biased. Yeah. And that's natural. Cuz guess what? You're going to lean
0: towards things you're but around. But even bias tends to be based on previous experience. So exactly. something it's it's a subconscious thing that you literally have to take I feel
1: more comfortable conscious around black women of. because I was raised by black women.
0: Yeah. And that's okay. You just have to know that those people who just refuse to get it, let that be their thing. But if there are people who are in your life that you care about, who maybe are just a little bit misguided, maybe you can tell that they want to be on the right side of things, but it still isn't quite clicking for them. You have to know how to talk to them because I feel like the trap that a lot of us fall into is letting our emotions take us over. And when that happens, it's you basically completely lose the battle before you start. Once you get emotional, then the person who you're trying to change, they're they're never going to change their mind. They're never going to see what you're seeing. You can never force someone to understand something. That light bulb has to turn on on their own in their mind for them to have that aha moment of, oh my God, I never saw that before. I never saw it that way. A lot of people are still so misguided, and this is because of American education. Traditional education teaches us that, oh, well, racism was slavery. Jim Crow. It was the uh, KKK men in hats and burning crosses or, you know, spitting on black people. But they don't teach you about how racism is actually just this insidious thing that is embedded and interwoven into nearly every aspect and institution of our society that we've been living in. Understanding and unpacking that takes time, and teaching people that first of all, it's not your responsibility to teach them. It is
1: not. Even it if they want to learn, they can do their own research. Absolutely, just the internet like you did your own
0: research. And widely available, it's free. Now, of course, you have to pay for Wi-Fi, but I mean, the internet is widely available. There's some
1: places you can get some if you need it.
0: If you're listening to this it's on the internet. You can do your own research, but if you feel as though you can make a point and make them see something that you see that you think that you can change their mind about, then by all means do it, but just don't let your emotions get in the way. Call them out. Protect
1: your energy.
0: Protect your energy. Call them out, but do it in a way that keeps you from losing your cool. That keeps you from
1: literally scarring yourself mentally. Um, And if you feel like you are entitled for a person of color or someone that disagrees with you to educate you on their beliefs, on their experience, on their life, listen, you're probably a part of the problem, honestly. Uh, And you might need to reevaluate what you're doing. There is. Because you can sit there and tell me all these facts about your thing, trying to make me, trying to devalue my life. Right. But if you can do that, and then when I say something like, but this is my experience. Right. And then you want me to, like, literally probably share stuff that is way deeper than our friendship is. Right. You probably just need to do your own research. Right. And instead of being so caught up in what you believe and the people of color that validate what you feel and believe, Mm -hmm. you need to look at people that disagree with you. Yes. Because the people that share your views, there's a possibility... There's people, there's there were slaves that perpetuated slavery. Those Uncle Tom. those Uncle Tom's, that is a stereotype yeah. for a reason. hmm That's something we'll get into on another day Listen. on a dip, deeper level. But you have to remember just because there's a black person that validates your experience doesn't mean that is all black people's experience. Just that how part. you don't want all white people to be these racist, evil people. You don't want all cops to be these bad people. Not all black people are happy with what's going on. Right. So you also need to listen to both sides. Just how you expect me to listen to both sides, you need to do your research. Seriously. Because guess what? I research the other side on my own. Yeah. I never expect someone to educate me. Well, I, I really, really do think it's important to
0: arm yourself with education, so that when you are having these complex conversations with people who don't necessarily agree with your beliefs, if you understand the way that they think or why they think the things that they think, then you can really say the right things that will trigger something inside of them that will say, huh, maybe I never thought of it that way. And I do think it's really important what you mentioned about how certain people use... Model minority, you know, uh, black people who, oh, well, they they agree with me. So that therefore I am right, which sure is
1: valid, I guess. I don't want to invalidate those black people who just it's so happen valid, to be on that side. but not 100 percent true. If 100%. anybody, if you've taken a logic class, you will see the flawed logic with those situations. You have to also understand that internalized
0: racism is real. Stockholm syndrome all of that are so very real and it's a very it's we'll dive, a very we'll natural dive way
1: deep into that
0: human phenomenon it's a psychological thing that that people do so you have to look at the bigger picture you have to look at more point of views than just the, if you're only getting your, if you're only getting your news from From one source, from one source, you are not arming yourself with education. You are not, you're, you're not doing this right. And that goes for all, that goes for everybody. It is so important. (laughs) It's so important to really
1: pay attention to the sources that you're getting your information from those sources. You hate, you might want to watch about an hour of that source so you can really see what they're, well, maybe, not getting, maybe, maybe not an hour maybe just maybe not comb through well, an hour is like an episode yeah
0: <laughs> just just to see but also protect your energy because some of what you see might be Sometimes really upsetting you, need to talk, you have to turn it off and something that i've i've really had to practice within myself is mindfulness of what I am taking into my, into my psyche on my timelines and on my news feeds, Because for me, what I've realized is that every time I see a headline that gives me that visceral jarring feeling, that sinking feeling in my stomach, where I get that emotional recoil, where I just can't believe what I'm reading. It's in those moments where I really have to check myself and, and objectively observe Okay, I'm 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 having this emotional reaction and I feel as though whoever wrote this stupid headline wants me to feel this way. So I'm not going to give them that courtesy. I'm not going to give them that that satisfaction of letting this this fear, this disgust, this horror Inger. at what I'm reading overtake me. It's just not it's not worth it. Every time you let those emotions from what you're seeing consume you on your timeline. Every time that happens, it chips away at your psyche. It's literally be every single time, feel the emotions, but don't be the emotions. Observe them. Just, just let, take a moment. Just let them, let it process, take a day off from social media. If you need to, if you must, what I've been doing, I've found myself, which really has been actually genuinely helpful. I've been taking one day Of the week where I don't look at Twitter, I don't look at Instagram, and I don't look at Facebook. Now, does that mean you have to completely unplug from everything that's going on? No, I actually wouldn't recommend that. I do recommend that you stay in touch with everything, but for the love of God, take care of your mental health. It is more important now than it ever has been, and it has always been so important. But I feel like with the heaviness and the weight and the gravity of all that's occurring in the world right now, Now is the time to really, really, really protect yourself and protect your mind. Going back to that question of how we got here. Yes. I think it's really kind of funny to think about myself six months ago. Yes. Compared to myself now.
1: Honestly, yeah.
0: 100%. Seriously, because six months ago, the things that I worried about in my day-to-day life were so arbitrary so minuscule compared to what i worry about now and it's pretty funny i wish i had a time machine so i could just go back and be like girl you got bigger problems get ready what's wild though is that that past version of myself seems so innocent so naive she was she was right (laughs) Me and her, if we were in the room together, we would be two completely different people, man. I would just hug her I and would, tell her
1: to save money. I would, <laughs>
0: right? Honestly, stop focusing on pilot season so much. There's no point.
1: Don't <laughs> buy him that suit.
0: Listen.
1: I definitely didn't think I was going to be seeing you. You were going to be like in my space for this long six months ago.
0: I know, right? <laughs> That's crazy. Six months ago, for those of you who don't know, I was living in L.A., I still live in LA, but because of all of the virus madness and the Civil War and the, you know, revolution and stuff, I came back home to Florida to spend some time with my family for the summer. And that's not something that I normally do. Yeah, we would see you for like a
1: day and a half and then you would disappear again.
0: Yeah, normally <laughs> I see my family for maybe a week every like two years. But when all of the all of this stuff broke out, I came here, and suddenly Next thing and, knew, me and Kenyana we got thrown the into the world of <laughs> activism, and, and now we have a podcast together, and now we're moving to LA together, and it's all just kind of ripple effect, dominoes, crumble, crumble, until I, we got here. So six now months we're here. ago,
1: I would have never thought I would know what pepper spray feels like. Right? <laughs> that is so wild to me that now I know
0: what tear gas feels like. For real. How crazy is that? And I wasn't even doing anything. (laughs) Literally, we were just going home. We were trying to go home to make curfew. So I really want to talk about that experience. That night. Because that that night,
1: night, I think that night was what drove us to actually start this podcast. Absolutely. Because that was the night where we said, we have to talk about this. One of the things that I said that night where literally, I literally just watched my whole world fall apart. Yeah. Everything that I knew that night was broken and shattered. Like that night is what made me truly see and believe that the police forces that we have now cannot stay how they are in this modern day. We need to change how we focus and how Mm -hmm. we run our police stations. We do not need the average police officer to be ready to do all that stuff. What
0: happened to us that is so crazy and baffles my mind because these are the things that they don't talk about on the media is that we attended a huge, huge, gigantic protest in Orlando, Florida. There were probably 10,000 people in the streets that day. There were actually two large groups of protesters that met and it was it was very coincidental. They just ran into each other and it was beautiful. And And throughout the day. The entire day was so beautiful. It was so peaceful. We we all gathered at City Hall. There were speeches that were given. One of the organizers read uh, one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s speeches. It was just so... He read so, the I
1: Have a Dream speech. Yeah, he did. And it was just so beautiful. And by the end of the day... The second I the sun started going... Well, by the end of the day, it felt liberating.
0: I felt so good. I felt... I was on a high. I said, wow, no incidences... This day went off without a sound. It wasn't like our other big protest that we went to that I don't feel like talking about right now because that day was really intense. We
1: weren't even there for a minute and stuff popped off. Literally, we had know. just gotten there. We hadn't even lifted but our This signs one yet. was beautiful
0: it was and it so was incredible. Powerful. But what's interesting is that, as beautiful as it was, there were zero news trucks. There was no press.
1: The news trucks literally didn't pop up until until after
0: nightfall until
1: after the sun wasn't even down yet. So what happened is that so curfew was
0: at 10 p.m. And around 845, me and Kenyana were about ready to go. It was close to an hour before curfew. And what I remember is that I had been wearing my mask all day throughout the protests and I'm asthmatic. So I was starting to get, you know, I was feeling overwhelmed with Emotion not negative emotion, just emotion. And it. I was starting to feel, it was starting to get kind of hard for me to breathe. And so I wanted to just go back to her apartment because we're lucky in that my cousin lives downtown in the curfew district. So literally two blocks away from where the protests were happening. So we both said, all right, yeah, let's just go home. By that point, the crowd was a street over from where she lived. And it's almost immediately when
1: we broke away from the crowd, we almost felt a shift in the I air. Definitely, because I even, when we were walking, Walking down the street, you I called your saw boyfriend. everything, and I was like, "This something doesn't feels, look good. Something doesn't off. feel right. Something and I felt
0: off." Started timing. but yeah, we immediately got this eerie feeling that something felt off. Keep in mind, no incidents the entire day, and so the crowds we were walk- even
1: quiet when it was when we were walking up.
0: Yeah, and so we're walking over to the street where she lives, and we notice as we're getting closer, we see commotion ahead of us. And when you're protesting, the police will all be in lines. They'll be blocking off certain streets and the cops, we could literally see her apartment building from where we were. Keep in mind, we were just heading home. They had it all barricaded off. The the cops were blocking everything and we couldn't advance
1: and next thing we knew and next thing while we we were walking we saw there's
0: people on the ground
1: there's canisters shooting out you blocked out that part which while we were walking over there i was on the phone and i said philip this doesn't look good and the second i said that we saw the smoke go up yeah and i think you probably blocked that part out because the second we saw the smoke we went into we got to go help people mode yeah yeah someone broke their leg that day yeah
0: yep there was a man on the ground who was, you know, the medics were around him. There were people screaming, crying. The tear gas canisters were out, flailing. There was flares. It was so it felt, it wasn't real. It was so unreal because for us, at that point, we had already, we in our minds, we had made up that, wow, we made it without incidents. We're unscathed, we're untouched. And I was literally going back because I was starting to feel I was starting to feel a little tightness in my chest. And then the tear gas canisters came out. And then not only that, but the cops literally redirected us away from our home. We couldn't get to her apartment. And it's and like
1: they were funneling us into a bad part. They of were. Town. Fu-
0: and that's the other. And thing. I almost feel
1: like they did that trying to get people in that neighborhood to start looting. So then they could start doing stuff to us. Yeah. They, it didn't work, but they, they directed,
0: they split the crowd in two down two. they directed half one way and they directed us the other way. And yeah, they let us down this sketchy neighborhood and it was so scary because by this point, keep in mind when all of this is going down, we are still an hour from curfew. It's not even after curfew yet. And all of this is going down and They rerouted us, completely diverted us from where we were going. We weren't allowed to go anywhere except to just march in the direction that the cops forced us to go down. And we got lucky in that literally where they diverted us it ended up making a super long loop all the way around all these blocks. And then we ended up finally going past her apartment building. Like the crowd went past her apartment building one time and we were able to slip in to her apartment building when the crowd went by with literally 10 minutes until the end of curfew.
1: Yeah, the only thing that we did like once we realized we were safe, we took our friend back to their car to make sure they were safe. Yes. And then we just went we had straight a friend back who was with us because they were they were parked not too far from my apartment. But that night was terrifying.
0: The night where we realized that we have to do more than just put ourselves in danger by being out in these streets. It is so important to be out in the streets if you are healthy and you are able to. If You're you have the young, heart for
1: it, do it. If you have
0: the heart for it, the passion for it, and you feel compelled to do it, go do it. But there are other ways to also continue to make a difference and also to protect yourself because that night, not gonna lie, we broke down a little bit. It was very upsetting and it was very intense and a lot of other activists can probably relate to that feeling or that story, and 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 know because this is what's happening all over the country, and that's the kind of thing that the news doesn't want to report. The news trucks only show up once it all of like the chaos breaks out. Because
1: do you that know, is the
0: only way that they that they report it.
1: You don't know this because I don't think you follow a lot of local news sites for here. A lot of the headlines for that night were the almost peaceful protest. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's that ridiculous. Was, that was that was the next days, because that night. I saw it with my own eyes. Unprovoked. The
0: protesters were not provoking the police. They weren't, we were all just keeping to ourselves and we were all just doing our own thing and making our own voices heard. And we
1: did notice them shifting, and but the we police, thought they would understand. Their,
0: psh, their energy, the entire night, the later it got, the more Sketchy. riot gear they suddenly had on, the more um, suddenly, you could just tell you could, that it's they It's almost were waiting. like they
1: switched to the, the ones that they are causing wa- the problems. They were exactly.
0: They were waiting for the right moment to start the chaos, start the abuse, and that's what I wish people who talk about looting and rioting, which by the way is s- an old racist trope, the looting and rioting
1: argument, because they used to
0: say the same thing about Dr. King. Just they did. Out
1: there. They did. And just so you guys know, those protesters out there do better policing work than the police themselves. That is because so that true. night. I am positive that we stopped people that were about to start looting.
0: I saw with my own eyes a guy pick up a sign that had been knocked over. You know, yes. I don't. The we people, were picking up litter. People need to distinguish between protesters who want their voice heard and opportunists who are just out here. Just being an opportunist and trying to, you know, but also, here's the thing about looting and rioting that I really want to make an important point I want to make about looting and rioting is that the reason people loot and riot during uprisings is because of need and because of their social conditions that have brought them to that point. People loot and riot after
1: their team wins, loses, or whatever. Yeah, it's to me, it's a looting
0: and rioting is just a symptom of of capitalism and the stronghold that it has on us that causes people to feel like this is their only choice or that people who know that the police are busy doing other things can go to the malls or go to the Apple stores or whatever they do. I don't think it has anything to do with being black, being a person of color. It has everything to do with the circumstances that capitalism has bestowed upon people that are no fault of their own. That is the point I want to make is that, This system is what breeds the environment that makes looting and rioting a thing.
1: And it definitely is something that, like, while I don't support, it's something that's like... It's a valid form of expression
0: in, in going against the system, in my opinion. Personally, I don't like it. I would never do it myself. But in my opinion, anything that challenges the status quo is valid. Because when we just conform... And fall into line and just accept what is because it's the way that we've been taught. Laws are laws, yes, are they are important. They keep people safe, but we also have to know that at one point slavery was legal. At one point it was legal to discriminate against people because of the color of their skin. And in a lot of places it still is.
1: Man, there's still laws being passed that I can wear my nice, pretty curly ponytail to work. Seriously,
0: just because something is Legal or illegal does not make it moral or immoral. And I wish more people would realize that, that we have to do a better job as a community of deciding what we deem as acceptable. Exactly. Because some people will say, oh, well, I support it, but I don't support criminals. But they don't realize that when you are a black person, your skin itself is criminalized. Whether you are a law-abiding citizen or not, if the wrong person deems you as a threat just because of how you look, it does not matter if you've never broken a law, never stolen, never lied a, a day in your life. Just because you are... That is that is the problem, is that something being legal or illegal does not necessarily make it moral
1: yeah, or immoral. Because it doesn't matter if you're a good person or a bad person by any sense, because... You shouldn't be judged just because of how you look. That's true. And that's why the token victim is not a fun thing, honestly. That's something we'll dive in deeper on another day, though.
0: Totally. but Maybe episode two. I guess you'll have to listen to find out.
1: Yeah, because people love bringing up token victims. Because the token victims are the Breonna Taylors and the Elijah McLeans.
0: Well, that's the thing. That perfect victim who lived a perfect life you love for to talk some about reason them, they glorify matter. and uplift them but then they, they still those get same injustice? people those same people want to vilify they want to vilify george floyd just because he Had did not live life. a perfect life but they don't realize that just because a person does not live a perfect life does not mean that they deserve to die imagine and I think if you were judged by your worst choices exactly it is so toxic To judge a person who has been wrongly killed and to say, well, this person deserved to die less because they played the violin for cats than this person who also didn't deserve to die because they were a drug addict. Here's the thing. When President Nixon declared the war on drugs, what he did was literally change the narrative of drug use from being something that is a mental health issue and he criminalized it and made it a legal law issue. In doing so, I think in 1980, there were maybe 500,000 people who were in the prisons. And now in 2020, there are two and a half million incarcerated people in America. And it's crazy because people don't realize that it's not as though suddenly more crime is getting committed. No, it's that we have all these people who are in prison for these criminalized drug charges or these minor drug charges who do should not be in prison. They should be in rehab. It's so upsetting that if you're a poor black person and you use drugs, you are treated as a criminal. But if you are a wealthy white person in the suburbs who uses drugs, you get to go to rehab because you can afford to. You will face a lesser charge even if you do get caught period and it's just so ridiculous because black people don't use drugs any more than any other ethnicity does but for some reason we're villainized for it yes are vilified villainized and criminalized for it which is unacceptable
1: and i really do think the thing about this that really is just so like frustrating is we always say that this is so-and-so's fault this is so-and-so's fault right And everyone just really thinks that if you just change who's in office, it'll fix the problem. But they're Hmm. not actually researching who they're voting for to change it. Well, that's the thing is that people don't
0: realize by saying just go vote, that actually does nothing to help people in changing the structures that prevent people from doing that. They are well-meaning and well-intentioned and yes it is so important to have your voice heard but when you tell someone yeah it's cool that you're protesting but just go vote you're ignoring the fact that voter suppression is a thing it's at it's, all. it's a it's an epidemic in and if you're
1: not paying attention to what's been going on now that more people are voting you would understand why not why how real voter suppression is seriously it is huge
0: and and it's something that goes back to the days of jim crow when the voting rights acts were passed and black people had to face poll taxes literacy tests and other they would literally and this is something that actually still happens is voter purging which is a good thing in principle because people die people you know uh, lose their right to vote because they get incarcerated, which is something that also shouldn't exist, by the way. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say because... Just
1: because you make bad choices doesn't mean you should lose all your rights.
0: You should lose your right to, to...
1: Yeah. Well, because incarcerated people pay taxes. The only reason it makes sense for people not to vote is if they really get to a point where they are not mentally able to. Literally.
0: And so, when you have two and a half million people who are incarcerated, who should they earn the right to vote? Could literally swing an entire election. You know, I just wish that people would examine that a little bit more. I wish people would unpack gerrymandering a little bit more. When, oh. when, when, when in these southern rural states, or even in these, like, look at Ohio, Ohio the way that they did the redistricting. Those swing states
1: are so. Uh, being from a swing state gerrymandering is so real and And you see it with school zoning even if you don't know what gerrymandering is it is
0: literally how they redistrict the zones on a map to essentially suppress a political party's power or to amplify so if there's only say there's 20 districts total in Ohio, when you gerrymander, you redraw the line so that there's, I don't know, maybe 16 red districts and only four blue districts. And and what that really does is that really screws over the people of color that exist in those states because suddenly their political power has been taken away from them. In 2018, 70% of Georgia voters that were purged from the polls were black. 70% That's just 70% ridiculous. and across the country one in 13 black Americans cannot vote because of disenfranchisement laws which literally says that a convicted felon either is temporarily banned from voting while they're in prison while they're on parole or they're banned for life just because they have a felony conviction which literally takes away their their voice American right. Only 40% of polling places fully accommodate people with disabilities. Only 40%. That is
1: ridiculous.
0: Only... Fo- so if you're in a wheelchair... I... Like, wrapping my brain around that.
1: So just because I either was born this way or had a terrible accident... Something... I am no war- fault of my own. I am... I have a roadblock to do something that is my American right. Absolutely. Whether you're an immigrant American... A naturalized American or a born American. I might have just repeated something twice. I don't care. (laughs) American is American. Seriously. And they should have a comfortable place to vote. And I don't understand how any person
0: who calls themselves an American or a patriot or they're proud of their freedom and their country, how anyone could support that could support any form of voter suppression because that is what literally makes our country free that is what literally the principle of our of our country was founded upon was this was this for the people principle that we should be the ones that are choosing We're our democracy for some people not exactly. the people exactly you are not a patriot you are not an american if you don't realize that across the country counties with larger minority populations have fewer polling sites and poll workers per voter right. and 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 how that affects minority voices and minority votes. You are a part of the problem. Unfortunately, a lot of the people who say that just go vote trope are well-intentioned, liberal, left-leaning people who... Consider might have Black Lives Matter in their in their bio on Instagram, but the thing is, a lot of them
1: are just supporting the party that they want to win. Right? They're not even they're not as much for the people as the other side is.
0: I really wish that people, rather than focusing on a political party, would realize that neither one of those parties that are I don't for even, the people, neither one of those parties give a damn about
1: anything other than money. For real, anything other than capital. And period. the people in those parties that do care don't make it past a certain point. Yeah. Honestly. They hold zero power. I'm there not is, necessarily The choice is an illusion, by the way. Blue
0: or red literally does not matter. The choice I'm just gonna, is I'm just looking gonna say
1: past that right the color of the party, looking past the party. Because the real place where the choice is, is when you realize that if we make a collective decision to vote for someone, that person will win. Instead of being like, well, if, if we don't if we don't vote for so-and-so, for my party. then so-and-so is going to win. No. When we start voting for the people versus for a party, that's when change is really going to happen. Y'all, I wish y'all would realize that
0: when they founded America, America was we never supposed, supposed to have, to have political these. parties. America was never supposed to have privatized banks. Never. But here we are.
1: Having private banks, private prisons. Have you ever prisons. heard of a
0: thing called Alec, Kenyana? Oh, please tell me! Oh my God! So Alec stands for the American Le- Legislative Exchange Council, and if you watch the 13th documentary on Netflix, which I recommend everyone to watch by Ava Duvernay, they,
1: they talk do. about
0: Alec, and that's actually how I learned what Alec was. So essentially, what Alec is, it's it's like a conference. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like a retreat. Go on. Where the country's most powerful leaders. All of the representatives. I didn't need to roll my eyes who, that hard. That's okay. <laughs> she just rolled her eyes to the gods right now. The country's most powerful leaders go on a trip to a resort to a hotel with all of the country's, um, you know, top CEOs and corporate executives. And you know what happens at this retreat? Those corporate CEOs and corporate private executives they propose bills. To these, exe- to, to these representatives and not only do they propose the bills they vote with equal weight as our representatives at the alex conventions give me a moment <laughs> sit on that for a second <laughs> this is a thing that is that openly exists but nobody talks about and this because is why people i'll always be against it.
1: capitalism Exactly. Because people
0: people. don't know. It's not about the people. It is about your money. It is about, y'all keep voting for people that are about money, not the people. Neither the left, neither the Democratic Party, nor the Republican Party give a crap about you, your mom, your husband, your son, your daughter. What they care about is you as a working class American citizen. You being the engine that's keeping this machine going. So, they can continue to go on their little resort trips, and so that they can continue to accept all these lavish gifts from these corporate executives. And why do you think certain Hallmark laws get passed? Like, who do you think was the one that proposed the laws that started to
1: put the amount of rage I'm jails? feeling right now? I think, let's just say you made your point real good. Who do you think? <laughs> who do you think proposed the laws
0: that would? militarize the police so that ultimately more black people end up in jail, so that ultimately all these prisons can stay full, so that ultimately they're at full capacity, so that the people who are prophetizing these prisons can stay stupid, dummy rich. (laughs) Where do you think think those laws are born? They're born at ALEC. Look that shit up, y'all, if you don't believe me. Sorry I cussed, look it up if you don't believe me
1: bro it's wild so if you guys are just going to go vote you guys need to go vote the people that you've been voting for for years out of office they need to go they need to go they are all corrupt honestly if our congress if our house looks how it looks now if our average age doesn't drop by about 20 years Ooh, I'm, I'm not going to be happy I'm going to be ready to square I'm up a, I'm going a, I'm to a square up Because this, it's ridiculous how old Everybody is We need to stop just going to vote And we need to start looking up who we're voting yep. And we need to stop voting for parties Because we weren't supposed to have them We need to start voting for ourselves We vote for us, not for them And, and we've while been we're voting at for it, them
0: too long Angela Davis for president I'm just throwing this out into the void
1: because and I, would love I don't to feel the burn. It, just bringing this up. While well, I don't feel the burn, we need to start holding our party. That our party. I don't even feel like a Democrat. <laughs> I'm Jesus. not a Democrat. I don't I, claim them. I'm I, just gonna say, you Democrats out there, love y'all, but y'all need to start seeing what they're doing because they're blocking the people in the party that are for the people. That's so true. Open your eyes, because no, as much as as much as Bernie Sanders has his issues, who doesn't? he's always been he bernie's been down with the business yeah and you know bernie's been trying to get these bills passed bernie has been down with the sickness forever and while i don't you don't need to support him wholeheartedly he's been down for it and he's really genuinely been for the people Mm -hmm. and that's why that's why our that's why the party puts people against him because he's for us Absolutely. Here's the thing. And we got a new young people person, a new young lad named Yang. We need to keep our eye on him. Ooh, I like that. Because he's definitely for the people, too.
0: That's amazing. I would actually rather um, boil rice one grain at a time than vote for Joe Biden. I'm just going to say that right now. I, I would actually... I, don't th- I think he needs to go... I think he needs to retire. I would rather comb <laughs> my eyeballs out of my face than vote for Joe Biden. Because oh, you said Biden. <laughs> Oh, no. I (laughs) I thought you said Sanders and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, (laughs) Joe Biden can literally kick rocks with open-toed shoes. He makes me sick. He literally. He was a great vice president. He was all right. He was alright. He, he was alright. He was alright. He was alright. He's tough on
1: crime. Do you know what tough on crime is? It's code for I want more people in private prison. I want more black people in jail. The more people in private prison, the more money in my pockets. Literally. Y'all don't
0: realize who 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 your party has chosen. Like y'all probably think there wasn't
1: exact- anyone they just, better? They just chose someone that was doing the same agenda just on the in their terms. Straight up. It's it's so upsetting and you
0: know what? Being tough on crime really doesn't examine the people who were just living their best lives and were suddenly murdered for no reason. It
1: honestly encourages more of what's happening. That is why I
0: personally do not buy into the good cop trope because you cannot look at cops on an individual basis. You can only examine the institution as a whole. And the institution as a whole does not prosecute the killer cops. It does not hold them accountable. The internal investigations that happen with police officers does nothing to mitigate these instances where the police have the wrong address and they're barging into someone's home and then shooting them in the face for no reason. It does nothing to hold those. It actually does more. To the cops who speak out and file reports on on their partners, or who call the call out the injustices, those cops get prosecuted more. Look at Chris Dorner. Do you know who Chris Dorner is? That
1: name is really familiar.
0: Chris Dorner was a California, an African American California policeman who witnessed his partner use excessive force on a man who was already ho- handcuffed. I believe he was homeless. I could be wrong. And he filed a report. I think it was something as simple as he was already handcuffed and she started kicking him or something. Just something that wasn't necessary to do. What happened when Chris Dorner filed that report was that the precinct that he worked for began to investigate him. And then he got fired. They fired him for filing that complaint against her. And
1: it's crazy because while I do think unions could be good... The thing that the police union is doing is protecting the cops that are doing wrong, but not unions protecting. Unions are not good for
0: police because police are not disenfranchised workers. They are it's police. It's good for plumbers. They, they work for us. They work for the state. They don't need unions. So they fire him. And what does he do? He writes a manifesto. And what does it say in this manifesto? It's the higher-ups that are responsible. He calls out a whole bunch of his coworkers. And then he says, you all are going to pay. I'm going to kill all of y'all. What does he do? He goes on a killing rampage. Oh, yeah. that guy. That guy. Do you think that that's just a random incident? Is that, Do you think that that's something that just happens? I'm not bringing him up to glorify violence. I'm bringing him up to say that that is what happens within the police institution. Like The good people are ext- driven to madness. And you know what happened? He fled up into, I want to say up into the desert somewhere in California. And when they found him, do you know what they did to him? They turned him into Swiss cheese, bro. I'm not
1: surprised. They sh-
0: not only did they put like hundreds of bullet holes in them, they burned the cabin to the ground that he was in. It was like on some straight up like
1: fury, fury shit. Like I bet if he was white, he would have been arrested and taken in.
0: Absolutely. Because there is a difference. And if you don't recognize that difference in how black criminals are handled versus white criminals, you are a pro- part of the problem. Please educate yourself and realize that within Aurora. I
1: don't want to, but we do need to go into it. Considering the oh fact God. that was the same city that handled the dude that shot up the movie theater. The same police... Who, who, by the way, is still alive. That man who
0: shot up that movie he theater. He was able to live to his trial. Elijah McClain is no longer alive when he should be. I really wish that there existed an institution outside of the police that people could call that could deal with mental health crises, you know, drug and alcohol abuse, domestic violence. That wasn't a person with a gun or a person who could
1: kill you. I know some cities are looking into changing those into crisis counselors. And that is why we must defund the police. I haven't
0: said it yet. That is why we need to redistribute the funds because I don't know why a police officer would need an AK-47. There's if they wanna, no if, reason for them to even carry a gun, in my opinion, because... of the work that they are doing and should be doing should be nonviolent offenses anyways. So for the violent offenses, those should be the special guys that, you know, need to arm themselves or protect themselves. But for the regular stuff, I do not think that they need all of that extra tactical gear because that is what amplifies and fuels them. Are you familiar with the Stanford prison experiment? Yes, I am. Yes, so in the Stanford Prison Experiment it was literally just college students. It was supposed to be I want to say like a 2 week experiment. They were only able to conduct the experiment experiment for 6 days because
1: it got too exper- intense. it got
0: too real because and this was a simulated clinical environment that they were in where half of the students were told that they were prisoners and the other half were told that they were guards. And the guards were given batons. They were given weapons. They were given handcuffs, and there were there was no further instruction beyond that. And what happened was disgusting. When they were given the that power, was so
1: disgusting. is ridiculous. And those post interviews for that were chilling. It's horrendous. And.
0: If people don't realize that giving these regular shmegular Joe Schmoes who got D's in high school and wasn't smart enough to go to college, so they decided to become a cop or they got bullied in school. So they just giving those people power, giving them a gun and throwing them in some predominantly black neighborhood is
1: not the way to reduce crime. And while I don't think a lot of the people that are on the force are that, I still think even someone that their whole life was just to uphold justice. Yeah, sure. I don't think those people necessarily, like, with the amount of training they have, those people should not have these weapons. Right. Because there's so many people that the second they get a weapon, they don't know how to act. Yeah. Because something that that my boyfriend and I always talk about are like you need to have trigger control and the amount of training that these people get they they don't have trigger control yeah they don't have a mindset and they also don't give these people they don't give officers enough mental health care and enough thorough like check-ins mm-hmm. for them to be having these weapons and for them to genuinely think they're not going to use them when mm-hmm. it's unnecessary the second they feel a little disrespected yeah because that's true While I understand why there's basic handgun training, not everyone should have an AR in their grasp because so many of these officers are ridiculous in that they're using weapons as intimidation versus using the training they're supposed to have. Right. And from a lot of things that I heard, a lot of officer training isn't actually like they should they are trained on de-escalation. And they do have an expectation, sure, of de-escalation. If you couldn't tell, that was air quoted. <laughs> <laughs> expectation. They have an expectation of de-escalation. But you know what? But in reality, the in thing reality, that every Waffle
0: House employee I've ever met in my life has better de-escalation
1: training than the cops. Sorry, I just had to say that. It's true though, because they are more so taught that you're an officer. We have to make sure that we're okay.
0: I'd rather be carried by. I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. That's their mantra. That's what's hammered into their mind. So if you haven't already, I want to give you guys this. If you haven't read it, there is an incredible medium.com article called Confessions of a Former Bastard Cop. And it is written anonymously by a former police officer. If you haven't read that and you're one of those people that still thinks that good cops exist, please just go and read the article so you can understand what factors lead up to police officers becoming who they are and what it actually is like, the structures within their system. Because this firsthand account is so raw and honest and authentic and I'd never, there were a lot of things in that article that I didn't know about, but one of them, During their police training, when they're in the academy, they are pounded with video after video of them being shot. And killed. And killed of dash cam footage of some suspect shooting them, shooting an officer in the head, and then speeding away into the ether and getting away with it. And it's like, no wonder these men and women that are wielding this badge and have this gun are fearful in their day-to-day life, especially of black people because when they're getting their training psychologically they are told that it's us versus them there also there was an analogy that he used that said in society there's wolves there's sheeps and there's sheepdogs wolves are the bad guys sheep's are the regular guys and then we're the sheepdogs to a sheep to a to a dumb sheep, they we, can't tell the difference yeah, between the a same. sheep dog and a wolf. They look the same.
1: That was the but analogy I really liked in that article.
0: Seriously. In their minds, oh, well, they don't they don't realize how we're protecting them. We're keeping them safe. Um, I'm just here to do, I'm trying to keep myself safe because I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six.
1: And but the you, crazy thing about that is if the sheep dog is attacking the sheep, what's it matter? Right. Because right. at that point you are a wolf. Yeah. You might as well be. It doesn't matter if you're here trying to hurt us. Yeah. If you're biting my throat. Yes. What's it matter? Exactly. Because you're not being you're not helping. You're acting like a wolf. You might as well be one. Literally. Literally. It sounds like you're a wolf that just seems that's hair is just a little too long, so you look like a little collie.
0: <laughs> and in a world of wolves and sheep and sheepdogs. Who is hurting the sheepdogs? Because usually sheepdogs are owned by humans. So, what institution exists that's protecting the
1: sheep from the sheepdog? Yes. We don't have one. That's our point. That's the whole point is (laughs) that
0: there is not one that exists, and that every time one of those sheepdogs bites a sheep on the neck and kills him dead. There's just another sheepdog that's just like... Here. They give that
1: sheepdog a paid
0: vacation. They literally... They give him <laughs> a paid vacation and they say, don't do that again. Or that, if they, or they fire- go send
1: him to another farm.
0: Yeah. Or if they fire him, he just goes and gets another job at another farm like nothing happened. That's crazy to me. Last but not least, I just want to talk about Miss Brianna Taylor real
1: quick. Our lady, we'll, we'll talk about her until her assailants are captured. That's my plan, I don't know about yours, but I'll bring her up. Here's mine.
0: Here's what I just really wish that people would realize when, what they're perpetuating when they turn her into a meme, even though they're well intentioned. It's upsetting as a black woman to see the death of another black woman be almost cartoonized into this digestible internet viral thing. Honestly, it is. Because it's sickening. She was a human being. She lived a beautiful life. And also, here's what I really wish that people would realize. This is something that I heard Angela Davis talk about in an interview because people were asking her about abolition. And in a world with abolition, how do we hold the people who commit wrongdoings accountable? And what she talked about was how in our society, we've been conditioned to believe that justice means enacting hurt or violence in the same way that we were hurt or experienced violence an from eye another for person. An eye. Yeah. The term that she used was reformative justice rather than retributive justice. So retribution. So rather than being like, oh, well, this person did something violent. So we are going to commit an act of violence on them. We're going to focus on this individual and hold this individual responsible and throw them in jail and throw away the key and not care what happens to them in jail. Rather than realizing that jail is not necessarily justice. Because unless we were to take all two and a half million incarcerated people and keep them in jail for the rest of their lives, at some point, those people who go through the prison system have to reintegrate back into society. And so throwing them in this hole for however many years and then just expecting that to to heal them of their criminality. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous and it does nothing to rectify the harm that they've caused. And so for me, that's why every day that those men who killed her are are not being held accountable and are free and are walking around and they're not in jail and they're still, still most of them working on police forces, every day that that happens, it breaks my heart. But I also realize that it is the flawed system that allow these men To be able to just continue to
1: be police officers unscathed as though nothing happened when they can screw up so badly. And the thing that gets me is I almost feel like they do this one because they don't want them to have the consequences of their actions, but also they don't want the karma that's going to come. For them facing their consequences, hundred
0: percent, bro. The police are the most gangster, gang thugs. They are I've nothing ever but met. a federally funded gang. Literally, people need to realize that there is a difference between criminal violence and state-sanctioned violence. Honestly,
1: hundred percent. The police are
0: state-sanctioned violence. The state says that they can act however they want. Essentially. Yeah, because they get away with stuff. Because they have qualified immunity, which literally says
1: that they can do whatever they want. And that should only, literally only apply when their one and only choice was to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. And the thing that gets me with that is there's police officers on the force that literally did have no choice but to kill someone. That have gotten consequences for it. Where was it when it was protecting those people? Here's the thing
0: the system
1: is. Oh, yeah. It doesn't protect good cops, it only protects the bad ones. Good cops are either torn down, transformed, Mm -hmm. or driven to madness. Therefore, they don't exist. Exactly. <laughs> they don't exist because they, they last, what, a
0: year or two at most? And I'm the most? sorry if you're listening to this and your brother, your sister, your wife is a cop, your your uncle is a cop, and you love him dearly, Uncle. My grandma uncle. was a cop. Our grandparents were both cops. Grandpa oh yeah, was Grandpa a cop. Oh, yeah. Grandpa was too. a
1: correctional. Yeah. He, was,
0: he worked in the prisons for a long time. Our grandmother was a police officer, and our grandfather was a a correctional, a correctional officer. officer. And literally so until we, like a
1: couple years ago. We
0: have seen both the worst of both sides. Our grandmother walked into her office yeah. at her police station. And
1: a all
0: of all of the officers were wearing these t-shirts with this symbol on it that she didn't recognize. And there was a noose on the board just hanging over the board. Yep. She was the only black person, not just black woman, black person on the force at the time. And they all were in there. And guess what those shirts they were wearing were? They were KKK shirts. They
1: were KKK shirts? They okay. were KKK
0: shirts. At the time, she didn't even realize what it, what the shirts were until there was a news article that showed that the KKK held a rally. This was in Ohio, by the way. K- held a rally and they were wearing shirts with those exact same logos. So all of her coworkers on the force were KKK members. All of them. And they mm-hmm. threw a noose on the board.
1: And they made sure she saw it. And they made sure
0: they did it at a time where they knew she would be there.
1: Because the people that worked there didn't like her because she was a good cop. That's why I think like we need to rebuild the very foundation of our police force. Absolutely. What it means
0: to be a police officer. Completely. That whole concept, we really, really, really need to challenge that because there has not yet been an era and time in which America has not failed the black man. Nope, not at all. The black woman, the black person, the black human being. There has not yet been an era in our history in which black people have had equity in society. That's what all of this is about. That's why we march. That's why we started a podcast. Yeah. That's why we're here with you today. We just really, really, really want to call attention to all of these aspects of of our society that maybe previously people weren't exactly thinking too hard about two months ago, literally just two months ago.
1: Honestly. Yeah. Cause it started in May. Yeah. And something that I also want to add to this closing is while we have gotten further, we're definitely further than we've ever been. We are definitely not there because while a black man with success is still doubted, there's a white man that isn't questioned that's unsuccessful.
0: Absolutely. There is still so much work to do. I hate to say it, but it is going to get worse before it will get better. But that is not to say that there is not a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a means
1: to the end. I definitely see the light at this point. It is there. I also it see exists. rock bottom, but I see the you light. Know? <laughs> so it's in sight. It's in reach. We's going to have to hit the bottom first. Honestly, but you know what? If you
0: stuck around and listened to us on our first episode of Voice of the Revolution, I just want to, again, say thank you. Thank you. And also, please share tell your friends let people know that we are out here and we want our voices heard and we really want to grow this thing so if you're with us from the start congrats you get to be one of those people that gets to say hey i remember them when so thank you guys we love you guys and this was voice Voice of the revolution. revolution